let us call ourselves to worship. Why are you here? We are here to worship God. Is there anything else the church can help you with? We really want to learn to be disciples of Jesus Christ. You have come to the right place. Let us worship God. O oh Lord, send your spirit to move in our world and to stir the water of our souls so that we will desire a word of instruction that awakens us to the joy of your coming reign. Amen. Today we begin a 12-week series, roughly, on what disciples do. Not what disciples believe, but on what disciples do. Anyone's curious what's coming up, I have a little chart you can look at later. Today we'll consider how disciples take faith seriously. How when you consider being a disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to remember, you can do it, but it will cost you. In our reading from the 14th chapter of Luke's Gospel, notice that Jesus is addressing large crowds, not just the small group of the 12 disciples, they're following Jesus, but they do not know that he is going to Jerusalem where he will be crucified, where he will die. You see, in this case, he was not so much talking to the reluctant, the fearful, as he was addressing the enthusiastic, the exuberant, with a message that being a disciple of Jesus comes with a cost. Listen now for the word of God. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, Whoever comes to me and doesn't hate father and mother, spouse and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even one's own life, cannot be my disciple. Whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. If one of you wanted to build a tower, wouldn't you first sit down and calculate the cost to determine whether you have enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when you have laid the foundation but couldn't finish the tower, all who see it will begin to belittle you. They will say, is the person who began construction and couldn't complete it? Or, what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down to consider whether his 10,000 soldiers could go against the 20,000 coming up against him. And if he didn't think he could win, he would send a representative to discuss terms of peace while his enemy was still a long way off. In the same way, none of you who are unwilling to give, give up all your possessions can be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how will it become salty again if it has no value, neither for the soil nor for the manure pile? People throw it away. Whoever has ears to hear should pay attention. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock 
and our Redeemer. Amen. One of North Carolina's many hurricanes blew through Raleigh one afternoon and dropped a massive limb through our deck. Boom! It sounded like an explosion. Well, in the following weeks, after picking up the pieces of the deck and the ruined furniture and cutting up that limb into enough firewood to last most of a winter, we decided to replace that deck with a sunroom and add a porch. And knowing from hard experience that the word deck is just a four-letter word that means mosquitoes dining room, <laughs> we made it a screen porch. We worked out a building plan with our construction company. They assigned a project manager named James, started digging the foundation. And in the months of that building project, Betty or I would talk to the project manager about some addition, some change in our plan, and every single time, James would say the same thing. You can do that, but it'll cost you. <laughs> James also taught us the expensive meaning of that two-word phrase, change order. <laughs> including how much per hour we paid him to write out that form that was called change order. Well, when we asked about adding shelves over the washer dryer, you know what he said? You can do that, but it'll cost you. When I said, you know, in that closet, the building code requires we have, how about putting shelves so I can put my CD collection in there? This was before MP3s, yeah? He said, well, yeah, we can do that, but it'll cost you. Anything we hadn't already put in the contract, that was his response. Well, that's pretty much also what Jesus was telling his disciples then and us now. You can be my disciple, but it will cost you. Let's consider the cost he named in reverse order. The second one he told them about was there's a cross involved. Whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Well, conversationally, we often refer to an unpleasant or un, some painful situation, a person you have to accept or deal with, yeah, although you find it hard, as our cross to bear. You know, like an irritating in-law or a co-worker or a neighbor or, or something minor in the great scheme of things, like... I don't know, dry skin. But Jesus was not telling the disciples then or us now that being his disciple might involve some annoying inconvenience here and there. He was saying that answering the call to discipleship can cost you everything. So the second cost is bearing your own cross. The first cost is even more challenging to understand. Remember how Jesus put it? Whoever comes to me and doesn't hate father and mother, spouse and children, brothers and sisters, even one's own life, cannot be my disciple. So what does that mean? Do we really have to hate our mom and daddy? Now maybe a brother would be okay, but do we have to even hate our parents and life itself? Well, I think the short answer is I don't think so. 
I could refer you to all kinds of scholars and learned commentators. But you know what the very best commentary on the whole Bible is? The Bible itself. Listen to what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. If you love your father or mother or even your sons and daughters more than me, you're not fit to be my disciples. And unless you're willing to take up your cross and come with me, you're not fit to be my disciples. If you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you give it up for me, you will surely find it. Being a real disciple of Jesus Christ, a true disciple, is not a once-in-a-while thing. It's a full-time commitment. Being a real disciple of Jesus Christ, a true disciple, means that following Jesus is not, you know, one of your priorities. It's somewhere in the top ten. But your first priority. And Jesus used two images to caution that crowd of would-be followers. One had to do with a farmer planning to build a tower. The other, a king, considering the number of soldiers needed for a battle. You see either low or high, rich or poor, you need to consider a soul-searching question. Is the price of discipleship more than you're willing, more than you're able to pay? And what about that business of salt? Well, if salt loses its flavor, how will it become salty again? It really seems to be a warning for those who have a hot, intense desire to become a disciple of Jesus. Even an initial, sincere commitment can fade if you're not careful, just as salt can lose its taste. From now through Thanksgiving or so, our sermons will explore the dimensions of discipleship, what disciples do. We have the marvelous opportunity to live our lives as disciples of Jesus. But deciding to follow Jesus has a cost. Jesus didn't sugarcoat his call to discipleship, and I won't either. You are invited to be his disciples. It is the path to take. The reward is a life well lived. Because it is a life lived according to God's plan. The reward is life eternal. But let me tell you the hard truth. I'll borrow those words from the construction manager, James. Tell you like he told us. You can be a disciple of Jesus Christ, but it will cost you. Thanks be to God. Go out and share the good news of the gospel with a world that really needs good news. Jesus has come to help us and to set us free. So may God the Creator, Christ the Savior, and the Holy Spirit, our advocate, guard your going out and your coming in and be your strength and help in every time of need.